Welcome back one and all to another day here at the Damage Board. Me, John Arola, and no longer flying solo, I'm joined by co-pilot of the news ship, Ravana is here. Ravana, how's it going? Welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Unfortunately, I'm not a licensed pilot and based on the news today, the, the ship is rapidly sinking, but we'll try to steer mm -hmm, her mm -hmm. to safety and maybe a little bit of sanity. Yeah, we just want to be clear up front that Ravana is not licensed. I know that regardless of us admitting that, Charlie Kirk would have been like, mm, a woman pilot, I don't know. D-I-I-R. <laughs> anyway, I think that's enough topical humor. Okay, so we've got a lot of news to talk about, everybody. Uh, not only has Donald Trump potentially maybe put himself on the hook for another 80 to 100 billion dollars in fines, that'll be a lot of fun. But his quest to make the money necessary to pay off all that he already owes might not be as smooth as one might expect. So that's gonna be fun. We'll be talking about Fox News responding to historians ranking of the best to worst presidents. That's fun and along the way, News that's not quite as cool, a court decision that has to do with IVF that the right is already pouncing on in multiple states, that's fun. We've got the widow of Alexei Navalny being canceled by Elon Musk, arguably, and more besides. We're gonna be talking a little bit about the two Johns, John Stewart, John Oliver, they're, they're back, you know, both of them back on the air. I'm enjoying it, but not everybody is, and so we're gonna be talking about that and a whole lot more besides. So. In advance of all that, please hit the like button, share the stream if you're on a platform where that's a thing that you can do. And either way, send us some comments, tweets, super chats. You might even get yourself a Blue Apron gift card with the right comment. But with all that said, Rivana, are you ready to do this thing? Hell yeah, let's do it. Nice. Let's start with this. How about the one two weeks ago? A woman, I'm saying, who the hell is she? Who is the woman? It's so unfair what's happening in our country. Our court system is a mess. What's happening in our country, they have to straighten it out. Who is the woman? And I'm sitting there like, oh, 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 I know. I know who you're referencing there, whose name you're too scared to say out loud. But in that video, it might not be clear. But what you just saw is Donald Trump stuck between a rock and the fact that he's an awful, broken, petty little shell of a man. Because he's attacking E. Jean Carroll there, don't get it twisted. That is exactly what he was talking about. Making the claim that he's never met her and thus presumably did not sexually abuse her. Now, the interesting thing is that he was able to go several weeks without bringing her up. There were no bleats, no screenshots of her tweets, no references to her cat being named vagina. A couple of weeks went by, that is what an $83.3 million judgment against him bought. But at a certain point, even that isn't enough to stop this guy from weighing in. Now that said, as you saw, he is scared to say her name. He kept it vague, but we know exactly who he's talking about. We know that he is defaming her. He is making claims that a court has already found to be untrue. He did meet her, he did know her, he did sexually abuse her. So it might be inconvenient for the MAGA world to hear, but that is what a court has already found. And he was supposed to stop talking about this because if he continues to make the claims that have already been shown to be defamation, then he could open himself up to more court cases. And that may be what he just did right there, according to a lawyer for E. Jean Carroll. Take a look at this. Do you watch these and could this warrant a third suit as you watch that? 
Uh, we certainly watch them. It's hard. It's hard not to. Every time Donald Trump speaks, um, you know, I think as we said at trial many times, he has the biggest megaphone in the world, uh, and so everyone hears them, including us and including our client, Eugene Carroll. And as you said, um, what he said was uh, was absolutely a lie. Two unanimous federal juries have found that not only did Trump know who Eugene was, he sexually assaulted her, um, and and lied about it repeatedly. Everything he said about her over the last five years has been a lie um, and has been defamatory. So we're watching, we're listening. Um, we had really hoped that, uh, as I think the jury found, um, that $83 million would maybe be enough to convince him to keep E. Jean Carroll's mm -hmm. name out of his mouth. Um, Apparently, he showed us this weekend that he really cannot control himself and that maybe it wasn't. Um, but, you know, we'll see what what happens as as this continues to play up. So uh, the lawyer right there who is like doing her best to not be too excited, giddy about the fact that they may be able to do another go at Donald Trump over this. That's Sean Crowley, by the way, uh, is clear. They are watching all of these rally you know, performances, his little press conferences on True Social, and they're ready to go again. Now, I am curious, Ravana, what you think about is it worth it to them to go through another year or two of legal back and forth when she's already gotten $83.3 million? But he is still attacking her and the whole point was to get him to stop. At some point, does the judge need to go past just financial limitations? Like, does he need to be barred from saying these things in some more substantive way? What do you think about all this? Well, I mean, as we've seen in the past in some of his other trials, being barred from making those statements hasn't necessarily been a deterrent. And then the enforcement mechanisms for those bars are typically fines imposed, which again, as this verdict has shown, is also not a deterrent for him. You know, but whether or not she pursues you know further litigation down the line, I'd say is entirely up to her. You know, she seems to have the resources to be able to do it. So it's just whether or not she wants to go through the, you know, the arduous process. But I'm laughing to myself a little bit. I really feel like he thinks that he found a way to circumvent the law by just not saying her <laughs> name, which, uh, you know, obviously when everyone is easily able to surmise who the subject of that statement is, yeah. uh, it doesn't matter whether or not you actually say her name if everyone knows it's about her you know as far as uh, defamation law is concerned you know but just to the the point of the damages you know the the highest percentage of those damages the biggest chunk was punitive um which for anyone who doesn't know punitive damages are awarded not to make the uh, plaintiff whole again you know not because that was part of what she actually suffered and needs that to repair you know the damage to her reputation but it's damages awarded to punish, as the name implies, the defendant as well as to deter. And I just, you know, <laughs> for Donald Trump, it seems like he doesn't care. You know, maybe he's older. Mm -hmm. He doesn't necessarily think that he's going to see out the, <laughs> the days where he'll have to finish making these payments. Or he's hoping that, you know, the rubes in his base will just donate to GoFundMes to pay it off. Uh, but he just seems like he doesn't care. And if he was anybody else, I would feel bad for his attorneys. If he was literally anybody else, I would feel bad that they have this, you know, unmanageable client. But they're choosing to represent Donald Trump. That's, yeah. you know, <laughs> the bet you've made. And now you have to lie in it with your huge man, baby, ridiculous and, <laughs> client, and look, I, former president. It probably bought, like, if you're Alina Haba, it probably bothered you at the beginning. But at this point, like, you've already lost everything you've been involved with. I don't know what reputation you're preserving at this point. 
Um, now, will uh, the MAGA world be able to donate the, his way out of this? Well, I doubt it, but we did a report on that GoFundMe yesterday, and I think there were $470,000 that have been raised at that point. It is now at $687,000, and I just, I feel like there is not a van big enough that we could like just take the MAGA world, throw them in it, and take them to a deprogramming camp. Like that's $700,000 that you guys supposedly need for things like food and gas and gaudy Trump sneakers. How can you <laughs> afford to set this on fire for Donald Trump, a guy who is supposedly a billionaire? But I, I agree with you. Like, I'm sure he doesn't want to lose any more money. But that said, he is so broken and so mad and she is so a woman and we know that he hates that. And so he has to say something. And also, like you said, how much longer is he gonna last? What is he holding on the money for anyway? You think he wants to give it to Don Jr. and Eric at this point? I kind of doubt it. So Trump, just keep making your stupid comments. I hope that E. Jean Carroll does go forward with another lawsuit. And I and I just I find it so weird. He was found to have sexually abused a woman. He's fined $83.3 million over it. You would think he would want to never mention this again, but he brings it up in rallies. Like his audience doesn't mind the fact that he was found to have sexually abused a woman. What a weird country we live in. They like anyway. it. <laughs> they support they do. it. Not in they spite do. of it, but because of it. <sighs> there are broken people in a broken society, in a broken state. Donald Trump might end up having to sell some or maybe most, maybe even all of his properties to pay off the legal judgments he's already had against him. It's about a half a billion dollars and we're not done with this thing yet. The issue is that adding insult to injury, selling off those properties might not bring in quite as much money as he might have expected. This, which we're gonna put on the screen right now, might be one of my new favorite charts in the world. I love a good chart, but this one is especially good. Because what it shows is the average price per square foot of condos, with the blue line being any condos not owned by Donald Trump, and Trump condos being the orange line chosen at random, I'm sure. Thank you, New York Times, for that. But what you see is that for some reason, Trump branded condos were worth more per square foot than others from as far back as this chart goes, 2003 all the way up to. 2015, and then after that point, suddenly the Trump condos go down. Now, there's some up and down, just as there are with the non-Trump condos, but he never manages to close that gap. And you know, once 2020 hit, and he did something in 2020. I don't remember what it is that he did that might have turned people off to the Trump brand, but I'll I'll research it. It suddenly dropped even more. And that means that his property is not as worth, not worth as much as it might otherwise be. All else being equal, if he just didn't own it. And we've got some more fascinating, I think, elements of this. We have a one-year window in which condos and buildings that had the Trump logo on them went from selling at a 1% premium compared with similar units to selling for 4% less, meaning that the Trump condos became a bargain thanks to the presence of his name being on them. So even Trump Tower on Fifth Avenue, which he considers to be like his best property, 
Um, it saw its average price per square foot tumble 49% since 2013. Now that is that part of that period is before he ran for president. So not all of that can be due to his brand, although he was doing a lot of the birther stuff during those early years. So I don't rule it out. There's other stuff that could potentially be affected by it. But overall, the takeaway Trump branded buildings collapsed in value by 25% compared to comparable buildings that Trump does not own since 2013. And here is the most amazing part of this. Condominiums in four buildings where the Trump logo was removed when residents sometimes after having to conduct a legal battle insisted that it be removed have seen their value shoot back up. The four buildings that removed his logo ended the decade from 2013 to 2023 up 9%, even outpacing the rest of the condominium market. So his name being on these buildings potentially lowers their values by literally millions of dollars. But the solution is clear. Just scrub the filth that is Trump off of your buildings and you can recoup some of that value. Perhaps even start outpacing New York real estate once again. So Ravana, we don't know what he's gonna have to sell under what conditions, but maybe he should start trying to recoup the reputation a little bit before he makes those sales. What do you think? Right, I mean, he could take his name off the buildings before selling them also, but he is the world's pettiest bitch and self-obsessed <laughs> narcissist, and he would never ever do that. I'll say, you know, maybe he needs to sit down with his son-in-law, you know, have a have a, a class at the Jared Kushner School of Offloading Assets because anytime he needs some money, he just sells a property to a member of the Saudi royal family. Doesn't <laughs> even have to list it. Doesn't have to look around for a buyer. Uh, <laughs> just definitely suspicious, and people should look more into that in his connections there. Um, but yeah, it's just a funny position for him uh, to be in now. Yeah, and and we'll see if it ends up affecting. Of course, he doesn't have long to wait before he has to front this money, so he should really get on that. Um, and honestly, like. He has so many reasons at this point that he really, really needs to be president again. But this is a big one too. Like the gravy train can start, well, I don't know in this metaphor, would it slosh or would it chug? I don't know. But the gravy train can start up once again if he becomes president. You know, he can raise some money off of like selling horrible overpriced sneakers. But like you said, he can get back in that like just easy real estate sales thing if he becomes president again. You know, the leadership of China and Russia and the Saudi Arabia will just start buying up condos for overpriced amounts, but not unless he becomes president again. And I'll close by just saying Cindy Lou in the chat says, take Trump's name off of Trump Tower, Chicago. It isn't supposed to be there anyway. I remember I went to Chicago during the Trump presidency and out of my hotel window, I could see the big Trump on the building. And it just, why? Well, it's just so, it's not even his city. Like, it's just weird that it's there. Get rid of it. It can't be doing your building or your residence any favors. I literally, maybe I'm the world's pettiest bitch. I don't know. <laughs> I would not move into a place that has Trump on it. No. And they've had that issue with that building. So, <laughs> yeah, 100%. They should, they should work on that. But anyway, let's close out this first block with a little bit of fun. At least what passes for fun for me. Maybe I am the world's pettiest bitch. Trump's brain rock continues to uh, to advance. Here is a mashup of just some of his recent greatest hits. It's a, he couldn't call me by by whole for 20 years. He called me Donald. He can't call me Don. I have that with a lot of friends. They used to call me Donnie. 
They used to call me Don, DJ. Now they all call me president. I say, call me, loosen, I say, loosen up, loosen up. You've been my friend for 25 years, loosen. But they think they are, they think they're tough. But a lot of them come to me and they'll say, how do you do it? You go through all these subpoenas, you got indicted. Now, in my whole life, I didn't know what the N word, I didn't know what indictment meant. You got indicted more than Alphonse Capone, Scarface. They say, how do you take it? How do you do it? We need you to get out and vote to set the stage for November. Go vote. November 27th. So remember this. There's a date that's very important. And we ended up winning Michigan. Remember, that was a beautiful. That was a beautiful. And Wisconsin. We won Wisconsin. We won Pennsylvania. We won it all. Okay, not that anyone's gonna care, but let's just do some fact checks on those. The first one, I don't know what that was. It sounded like he was gonna say that people call him Lucifer. He kept making a loose sound. His brain was just breaking apart and he couldn't recover. Uh, let's see, in the second one, he thinks the N word is indictment. I don't get that, but it just has the worst implications for what he thinks about race. The Michigan primary is in February. It is not, in fact, as he said, three weeks after the general election in November, but way to do an amazing job on informing your voters about how to participate. And the three states that he listed in that last video, he did not win a single one of those against Biden. He lost all three. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is unfair for me to say that that is evidence of brain rot. He's also a massive liar. Maybe he's just lying to his audience there. Or maybe he honestly doesn't know what states he won, in which year, what year is it, where is he? He's very confused. I don't know. But Ravana, what do you think? Well, I liked in the second video where he said, I'd never heard it before the N word, which is like, well, based on what we know about your history of race discrimination, yeah, you know, within your your companies, that's completely BS. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently it's just indictment now from uh, from his point of view. I do think that he sort of gets away with it a lot more um, than when we get uh, gaffes and brain rot, clear brain rot moments from Joe Biden, just because Donald Trump is a complete bumbling idiot and always has been. So <laughs> there's, I and his audience doesn't care. His supporters really do not care. They love it. They love it. I mean, he stands on stage and he calls them fat slobs who take massive dumps and they eat it up. He went on there and said they clog toilets and then said, not me, but you. And they cheered like yeah. animals. <laughs> and they, it, they, it doesn't, they don't care. So, I mean, you, there's no amount of like hypocritical uh, evidence you could show them, no am amount of evidence that clearly he is also, as an extremely elderly man in cognitive decline, it's going to make them care. They're going to vote for him anyway, apparently, yeah. on November 27th. <laughs> Hundred percent. I love. I love that point, and and I agree. Um, although, remember, he's insulted people's cities. He he was he once was doing a rally, and he was like, "If I wasn't running for president, I'd be in a much nicer place right now," and that's amazing. But it is not actually unprecedented. There is one thing that that reminds me of, and you might, if you watch the WWE, you might be familiar with it because The Rock is back now, and The Rock is a bad guy right now. The Rock comes out. And insults people's cities. He insults the people that have come to the show, and they cheer for it. They love it because it's that guy, and he's famous, and he's calling me a fat slob. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe people have been trained by professional wrestling 
to like that. I'm not sure. But I do have one other thing, and I don't know to the TD. Is it possible to just start that video for and run it for just a little bit with no no audio? I just want to make a comment about something there. And this is not about Trump's brain rot. This is about Newsmax and the weird way they try to manipulate their audience. Feel free to start that up whenever you want, and it's a visual thing that that you'll see. So you see, you can <laughs> with a qualified purchase, you can get a free safe, which I guarantee is not the safe in the image, but you'll want it. Since you have so many gold bars to guard, you just have dozens of gold ingots that you need to lock up in your safe. Who do they think is watching Newsmax? These people don't have gold bars. They tapped out their savings account to buy crappy sneakers. <laughs> Donald and, Trump. And don't forget NFTs where Donald Trump is NFTs. photoshopped on the moon. Mm -hmm. But those are not purchases, those are investments. Right. Anyway, what a stupid country we live in. Anyway, hey, that's me roasting the country like I'm the rock. Welcome back, one and all. In the social chat, I was reading some of the comments about Ray, and there are many here. And Ukami points out the real Chicago Ray. And I had missed that it was Chicago Ray that was the trucker. Did that ruin your day? Were you getting mean DMs or anything over that? <laughs> uh, no, not at all, actually. And I'll be honest, I don't even know in reference to it. Oh, you don't know. Okay, well, super fast. Chicago Ray is one of the truckers who started the truckers boycott New York thing earlier uh, this week. It was Chicago Ray. Yeah, he yeah. was probably never going to go there anyway. So probably, <laughs> maybe not. Well, no, now he is. He backed off. We think he oh, got a stern okay. talking to from his boss. Anyway. Back to the news, one and all, starting with this. What a bunch of historical malarkey. A group of self-proclaimed experts on the presidency just ranked Joe Biden as the 14th best president in history, while giving Trump last place. First of all, don't try to take malarkey. You know that's Joe Biden's thing. There are a few things he can remember these days. Let him keep his catchphrase, woman. But anyway, she's mad there because as she alluded to, a group of self-proclaimed presidential experts rated all of the presidents and ranked them based on the ratings. So this comes from the American Political Science Association. Every one of those historians is a PhD who has devoted their lifetime to doing research on the presidents. So they're not so much self-proclaimed presidential experts as presidential experts in an academic body that cares about politics and policy. So anyway, here is the ranking. And you can see there that Lincoln, he gets number one. He had an average score of 95 out of 100. Biden is way down at 62.66 out of 100. Now he did still rank 14th among the presidents. That is unacceptable to them that he's the 14th most liked president from historians. But the fact that Donald Trump averaged under 11 points and comes in last as president, that's what, of course, angers Jeanine Pirro so much. But honestly, like I get that we're in partisan tribal times, and I get that they have to show how much they love Donald Trump. But other than like his rhetoric, they like what he says. They like that he says mean things about people that they don't like. What did he do as president? Like, what did he get past? He passed, so there was some mild criminal justice reform. That was good. That was probably literally the best thing he did as president. And he passed trillions of dollars in tax cuts for 
the richest people in the country and corporations drastically slashing the corporate tax rate, which is good for wealthy people, but not regular people. And I will remind you, he ended his first term by utterly willfully failing to stop the spread of COVID and then trying to overturn the results of the election in which the, the American public rejected him. I feel like their hands were really tied here. How could they not rank him last out of all that? Ray, what do you think? I mean, of course he's coming in last. I also think that Republicans are just perpetually bitter that uh, liberal arts academia is liberal <laughs> and that uh, you know the people who, especially in, in uh, academic paths like history, the people that tend to uh, you know, focus on that, study that, and you know, get these positions in in that field are more left wing, and that's the uh, you know the ideas that they're bringing to this types of ranking, which it doesn't matter. They could have just not done the story about it. Who cares? <laughs> Who does this? Yeah, they don't have to. At all. <laughs> like it's so irrelevant. But just you know, they've got 100%. to fill in a time slot, and you know. What what Judge Janine is able to uh, uh, cover between sips of of her uh, <laughs> under the desk wine is limited. So they got to get an easy topic. They said Trump bad, so be angry about it. Exactly. They have to stick up for him because they know there's a chance that Trump is stewing over the results of this. But but yeah, I don't I don't know why they're surprised, both by the rankings, but also by the sort of people that are political science professors or basically all professors. I'm not saying there are no conservatives in this. I, I was in a doctoral program in poli sci. There were some conservatives there, yeah. um, particularly among political theorists. But um, you guys have spent literally decades demonizing the very idea that you would go to school or care about it or want to study or want to teach. What did you think was going to happen? You guys are constantly mad at like Hollywood for being woke, which is not an accurate representation of most of the content coming out of Hollywood. But if creatives tend to be libs, you guys have spent the last half century demonizing creativity and art. What did you think was going to happen coming out of that? So they're very mad, but it isn't just Janine Pirro. Some people who I believe in this case are actually sober, just as mad. This is Kaylee McEnany. This is infuriating in so many ways. 154 respondents, they are the ivory tower elites who in no way represent the view of the American people. No, but it also goes to show you though how history can be written and some of it can be built off a lie as well. But no, this list is bogus. Everyone knows that you know Obama's not that high. He was a terrible president. But I, I think on this <laughs> president, sorry. I think on this, this is just my thought bubbles. You don't wanna know what goes on in here, it's a lot. Okay, so they're the ivory tower, they're the elites. They're not like regular people like the billionaire former president that we're defending. Again, man, populism means nothing to these people. They worship at the feet of the rich and the powerful. And then they occasionally pretend, well, elites are bad, huh? You gonna clap for me? I said elites are bad, now let's go back to worshiping the rich and trying to cut their taxes. So she's mad about that. Yes, they're they're academics and it's not intended to represent what regular people think. That's not what it is and that's not the way it's reporting. It's based, It's supposed to represent what people who study the presidency think. And that is what it represents, whether you like it or not. Kaylee McEnany, Ravana, what do you think about that? You know, it's, it really is that comment about the ivory tower elites that 
that they always have to levy those accusations about anyone in academia, which, you know, by the way, does not accurately describe most of the people working in academia. But it's always so ironic coming from people who make millions of dollars a year to sit on their asses on Fox News and talk nonsense uh, uh, for a couple hours a day and then go back to their you know, the liberal city that they live in, that they demonize on the news, that's also being recorded in a liberal city, you know, amongst these ivory tower elites that they just, it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's so hypocritical, but no one consuming that news cares. They do not care about the hypocrisy. They just want to hear, you know, their pro-Trump message, uh, you know, parroted back at them from someone who looks pretty on television. 100%. Yeah. Um that's why I watch Fox and Friends. Ducey, pretty guy. Right. But anyway, um yeah, no, it's just it's so like look, everyone even if they are rigorous and trying not to be is affected by bias. You simply are. You're biased by your life experience, you're biased by all sorts of things, where you currently live, all of that. But they they do literally nothing and obviously they have a financial incentive not to to get past their biases. Again, he told people to use bleach and lights to kill COVID. He said we should do less testing and a million, more than a million people died of COVID in just a couple of years. And then he once again lost the election, the popular vote twice, the electoral college once, and he led a mob to sack the Capitol. Who would you put after that? Who, if by the way, if I was the descendant of like, Hoover or something, and you put me after the coup guy, I'd be pretty mad. But they don't, they're, you'll notice that in those clips, they are not making a case for Trump. They're not describing his long record of accomplishments. They're just saying, obviously, he's the best and Biden is the worst. But I'll remind you of a few of the things that he did as president. Um, he pulled out of the Paris Climate Accord, potentially helping to doom future generations to climate apocalypse. He ripped up the Iran nuclear deal, which obviously sets Iran back on a path to developing nuclear weapons. He said that there were good good people on both sides in Charlottesville. When they were marching and saying the Jews will not replace us, he thought some of them not so bad. Uh, he separated at least 5,500 migrant families and placed children in cages. Many of those families were never reunited. Um, which is bad for him, also bad for Biden. You'd think maybe he could fix some of that. Uh, there were over 400,000 reported fatalities from COVID-19 while he was president. But obviously a lot of the anti-mask, anti-social distancing, anti-vaccine positions had been locked in by the time he was no longer president. The US national debt was at the highest level since World War II. And as a result of that and all of those things and the wanting to nuke a hurricane and the drawing a new path for a hurricane and putting absolute monsters on the Supreme Court and the many other things he did. He left the presidency with a 29% approval rating. Now to be clear for Fox and Friends, Kaylee McEnany, that is not a 29% approval rating amongst presidential historians. That is what regular people thought about him. So yes, there's a lot of people who weren't big fans of his presidency because it was an utter failure. Any other thoughts before we move on? I'll just say I think it's important that you highlighted uh, uh, his failures and the fact that they didn't make the case for Trump because it just shows how much they know that they don't have to because they're preaching to an audience that already thinks Trump number one. They're choking on his boots. They're not even licking them at this point. <laughs> so, and, they, and they know that. 100%. Yeah, you're right. They know their audience. I will give them that. Okay, with that say, uh, with that with that said, let's move on to a person who is getting to know their audience right now.
Following an attempt to carpet bag over to a district that might like her more, bad news continues to pour in for Lauren Boebert as she attempts to gain support in this new district. So this isn't just bad news, it's bad reviews amongst people that she desperately needs to vote for her. And we've got some devastating quotes for you about what they think about Lauren Boebert. We'll get to that in just a sec. But I want to remind you that there have now been two straw polls in this district and she came fifth out of eight and third out of four in the two straw polls. Now those are just straw polls, those are not broad polls. Maybe they're not representative. Maybe behind the scenes, Lauren Boebert is killing it. But there is no evidence of that yet. And so with that, we need to turn to what regular people think about her. Um, a number of journalists have talked to her potential constituents. And there are some who say they were big fans of Lauren Boebert when she was first elected. They liked her politics overall. But eventually, all of the turmoil and the personal drama and the just all of the nonsense wears at your evaluation of her. And it really came to a head with the theater incident, which you probably remember. It's when there was video footage of her being removed from a production of Beetlejuice after vaping and groping her date in the theater. And I think she also said, do you know who I am? It was a big mess, really, and not necessarily what you want out of your congressperson. So anyway, here are some people asked about her that she needs to vote for her. I don't appreciate as a Christian, people saying they're Christian to get your vote and then turning out to be a low life. And now I just kind of think of her as a low life. That is Judy Schofield, a retired university employee who said she was looking for a strong conservative who understood the state's remaining deep red areas. Tammy Fleming, GOP voter says, on Facebook, she's not been well received by Republicans. It's the shenanigans and the drama and moving districts. Retired medical contractor Chris Ware was more blunt, I will not vote for her, period. She's not one of us. And look, obviously, I'm not a big fan of Lauren Boebert, I think you all know that. I, even I think some of this criticism is a little rough. She's not one of you, I mean, she's full of herself, she's arrogant like a lot of politicians are. She's still super conservative and saying that she's a low life. Now, I'm not saying she's not a low life. She is a low life, just not for the reasons you're saying. She's not a low life because she groped someone at Beetlejuice. That's like one of the least offensive things I think she's ever done. She's a low life for her whole vibe and her politics and what she says about vulnerable groups and her Islamophobia and, and all the horrible things that she's said. That's what people should have a problem with. But regardless of my evaluation, I'm not a potential voter for her. They are, and they don't seem to be buying it. Ravana, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I. Uh... I may be a petty person. I want to see Lauren Boebert lose. I'd like to see her out of Congress. But I think something that people can really take away from those comments about her is that no matter who wins in this district, America is losing because it is go it is a very deep red district. And it will be uh, you know, a Republican who wins it. You know, it might not be Lauren Boebert. It looks like it won't be, but whoever does win it is going to be a far right conservative who probably yeah. believes all of the exact same things that Lauren Boebert does. So, you know, while there is a victory that Lauren Boebert is out of Congress, whatever comes next might be, you know, less attempting to create a celebrity profile about themselves and they might be less in your face about it, but they're going to be pushing the same exact policies that she was. Yeah. Yeah. You make a good point. Like, you know, she's terrible. So obviously we want her out, but do we? She's clearly less effective than some Republicans in doing their job. And what the Republican really Republican Party really wants is just a hard right conservative who shuts up and votes the way they're supposed to every time. Whereas she goes out there and makes the right look ridiculous. 
Yeah, which is good for us. It's also entertaining for us. Let's not set that aside. So maybe we should want her to win. But anyway, it's not looking great. Uh, a poll from the Mountaineer, which is admittedly a left-leaning research group, so take that with a grain of salt, found that just 17% of Colorado voters have a favorable view of her. That's less than half the 36 and 40% favorability that Trump and Biden have. So they're not a big fan of her. But that said, none of this means that she can't win. She has near universal name recognition. She has apparently $1.3 million and she can certainly raise more. So don't write her off just yet and don't assume that her losing is the best possible thing for Democrats. It'll be hilarious, but long term, it might not be the best thing for us. And with that said, we do need to take our second break of the hour and we come back, much more news to get to, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This story, let's do it. Alabama's Supreme Court has just made a disastrous decision on reproductive rights, which is one of those sentences that sounds after the fact kind of inevitable. In this case, they ruled that frozen embryos created through in vitro fertilization are children under state law. This was a 7-2 ruling, and it had to do with two wrongful death suits that were brought against a mobile fertility clinic back in 2021 after a patient broke into a freezer, removed some of the stored human embryos, and then dropped them. And here are the details of the case, but bear in mind, this goes way beyond just this case. That is the true damage that can be done with this. But in this lawsuit, it was brought by a group of in vitro fertilization patients whose embryos were destroyed back in December of 2020. The plaintiffs subsequently filed two lawsuits against the facility, the Center for Reproductive Medicine, alleging that the clinic had violated Alabama's wrongful death of a minor act, which applies to unborn children. The clinic's motion to dismiss the lawsuits were granted by a trial court that found a frozen embryo did not fall within the definition of a person or a child. But then the state Supreme Court got involved and here is what they said. The, re the relevant statutory text is clear. The wrongful death of a minor act applies on its face to all unborn children without limitation. The court found that there is no unwritten exception as the defendants have argued to the law that applies to unborn children who are not physically located in utero, that is inside a biological uterus at the time they are killed. So it expanded their state level definition, which is already out of whack with federal law and, and many other states laws. And so from there, it's going to expand. But, but I want you to bear in mind sort of the stakes here in terms of this. The Medical Association of the State of Alabama warned that siding with the plaintiffs would mean increased exposure to wrongful death lawsuits that at best would substantially increase IVF costs. So if any time an embryo is lost, you can potentially be sued by the person you're working with, then it becomes difficult to imagine how an IVF business like this can continue to function. And bear in mind, if that means that IVF has to cost more to make up for the legal liability and the added lawyers they'll need, then that's tough because IVF ain't cheap as it is. A single IVF cycle, a period of about three weeks in which eggs are collected from an ovary, fertilized by sperm in a lab environment and then transferred to a uterus can cost upwards of $20,000, including medication. And it is very, very common that for a couple that wants to go through the process of IVF, they will need to go through multiple cycles. And importantly, good luck getting your insurance to cover it because that ain't gonna happen for virtually anyone. So some people who are desperate to have children might have to bankrupt themselves just for the added chance of having kids through IVF. And that soon might get a jacked up cost thanks to this. Now it's being spread in states outside of Alabama, but at this point, Ravon, I wanna give you a chance to weigh in. 
Yeah. First, I want to say I read this decision. Um, it was one of the most poor, and I've read some pretty horrifically uh, uh, written uh, court decisions, but this was one of the worst. They referenced the Bible and God's plan for uh, life and immaculate conception in the decision. Um, so that's how things are playing out in Alabama. But I also want to sort of give people an idea of how these uh, lawsuits come to fruition in the first place. So if you think about something like IVF, it is often a prohibitively expensive already uh, process for people uh, who are often desperate to have children. These are people who really want children. They've tried through other means and just physically have not been able to. So they turn to this. So these are people who, and they did suffer an injustice, something they spent an exorbitant amount of money on went awry because of actions outside of you know their their control but then these far right legal organizations step in they find uh that this would be a good way to and you know, enforce through the courts their uh, legal agenda, their far right agenda onto everyone else, and they latch on to it. And that is what we saw here. You know, it's not like these are, uh, you know, uh, well meaning people who just wanted to see justice for victims of a crime. You know, this is a, you know, organizations that are attempting to completely change the way that the law is interpreted as strict as possible to enforce, uh, you know, on, uh, women's bodies. And, you know, this yeah. might be even an attempt to, to limit IVF. You know, Christians have a tendency to be against, you know, not all Christians, of course, but, you know, Christo-fascists have a tendency to think that anything along those lines is an affront to God. So an attempt to make sure as few people as possible have access to these resources, but it is absolutely a disturbing interpretation. Yeah. And, and look, so right now we don't have a ton of time, but basically in Florida, there is this ballot initiative um, that's being considered uh, that would effectively enshrine the right to an abortion. That's being considered to put on the ballot. No law shall prohibit, penalize, delay, or restrict abortion before viability or when necessary to protect the patient's health as determined by the patient's healthcare provider. So that is what's being considered. So some of those arguing against that are now saying, but wait, look at what Alabama did. They just expanded their concept of personhood. So maybe that has something to do with this. I don't understand what it has to do with it. They, their side, by the way, has already argued in the consideration for this ballot initiative. But now they're now saying this changes the legal situation. Again, I don't see how it does. It's a different state. It's not your Supreme Court. The Florida, Florida people in Florida, the Florida Supreme Court do not have to answer to the Alabama Supreme Court. They have to answer to the U.S. Supreme Court, which is which is its own nightmare, which we'll get to. But but anyway, the, the point here that seems so ridiculous to me isn't just that they're trying to take this and get something out of it in other states, but that like again, I don't know the I don't know the plaintiffs in this case. I don't know what their motivations were. I don't know why they went down this road, but in them, I guess wanting to either get more in compensation from this, they're working to advance the cause of the like radical anti-abortion people who, by the way, think that what they were doing with IVF is evil. They don't like there's and I'm not saying every single anti-abortion person, but like people who are like super against abortion, particularly their pundits and their politicians, they got what they wanted with the death of Roe v. Wade. And now they're like, what can we come for now? And IVF is one of the first things on that list. They would consider those plaintiffs to be sinners for what they did in participating in this. So it just seems even more ironic that that's where this is coming from. Final comment to you. Yeah, I mean, it's just sad, but we need to be vigilant about it. And I have, you know, a hope that the Democratic Party is going to put abortion rights on as many ballots as possible ahead of 2024, you know, state Democratic parties, because every time they've been put to the people, the people have voted to protect them.
100%. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a strategy that the right used trying to use like demonization of same-sex marriage for years and years and years at the ballot level to get people to turn out. Well, get this on there. It's an important issue. It affects people's lives and we already know what people think about it. They would hate the fact that this would be driving people to the polls, but they have only themselves to blame. They were utterly unsuccessful for a half century in convincing people of their position on abortion. Sorry, you failed. Now you might pay the price for it. Self-proclaimed free speech absolutist Elon Musk is now under fire because the widow of a Russian opposition figure and political prisoner, Alexei Navalny, who recently died, his widow was suspended on Twitter very soon after starting her Twitter account, actually. So just days following the apparent murder of her husband, Yulia Navalny's account was suspended. It has been started just on Monday. It posted a video accusing the Kremlin of keeping Navalny's body in order to hide traces of poisonous substances that may have been used to engineer his death. But as you can see there, you, I guess you can't see that video for a while. Now, hours later, after outcry, it was restored and Twitter says, uh, and heads up to my producers, don't write X in my document, I ain't calling it that. So anyway, I'm the world's pettiest bitch. But anyway, um, they say, her account was mistakenly flagged because of the mechanisms built into the platform that have to do with manipulation and spam and bots and all that. And I know what you're thinking, why would we buy that? Why would we accept the word of Elon Musk when he's a massive liar? Well, I somewhat buy it only because I know how utterly overrun with bots Twitter is these days. Did you guys see this recent report that the majority of traffic from X through ads during the Super Bowl was fake, it was bots, it wasn't real. It was 76% of all the traffic. And by the way, there are bots on other platforms and analysis of these bots show that other platforms do have some of the, the traffic from ads, they're bots. It's like 1%, 2%, nothing like this. And remember, every change that he has made to Twitter, he has said he's done it to help fight against bots. And yet bots are worse on the platform than they've ever been. So is he incompetent or is he lying? And when it comes to Yulia Navalny being suspended, is it incompetence? Or did he find her rhetoric to be inconvenient? I honestly don't know. He's such a bad guy in so many ways. I'm not sure which one is most likely, but Ravana, what do you think? Well, I would say if it was, you know, anybody else, I might be more sympathetic to the idea that like it was uh, an honest mistake, particularly because of the, the rampant bots. And shout out to Matt Bender for that uh, that reporting on that. Um, but we know that Elon Musk has, you know, a history of uh, one supporting Russia in material ways <laughs> during this conflict. But also uh, the idea that he's some free speech champion is ridiculous, particularly, um, you know, given the reports that he silenced journalists at the behest of the Modi government. <laughs> he mm -hmm. silenced journalists here in the United States uh, because they reported on the his private jet and his harassment of a kid running a, a page that just covered uh, where his private jet was flying to. I mean, it's such a ridiculous thing, but anybody who still uses Twitter can tell, <laughs> can say the bot problem is genuinely the worst it's ever been. Bots promoting uh, OnlyFans pages are under every single one of <laughs> my tweets, most people's tweets. My inbox has never been more full of, uh, yep. you know, 
fake advertising accounts. And his argument was that he was going to introduce Twitter blue uh, or, you know, ramp it up really to, um, you know, or X premium, whatever they're calling it now, but to deal with the bot problem. But the bots just started paying for blue checks 100%. on their account to be pushed to the front of uh, comment sections, to be boosted in your uh, messages. So it hasn't worked. But, you know, much like Donald Trump, Elon Musk fanboys, it doesn't matter what evidence there is against him. They don't care. They don't want to hear it. I mean, I, he replied to this article on Twitter and just told the person who posted it to shut up. No, no actual evidence that he's tackled in any meaningful way the bot problem. And, you know, just his fanboys were eating it up and laughing, doing the crying well, laughing face emoji because, yeah, they don't they don't care. Because that's his love language. Um, yeah, no, I'm sure that if you're a corporation thinking about spending millions of dollars on Twitter, him saying shut up to evidence that they're falsifying the results, I think that reassures you. I think that you're ready to drop six, seven, eight figures on that. <laughs> Utterly ridiculous. By the way, we haven't even talked about the story yet. Maybe we will later this week. It has been revealed that he has like a sock puppet account that he has been posting under and literally having conversations with on Twitter for some time. So it's not enough that there are genuine losers that worship this guy and try to reply to everything he says. And it's not enough that he spends all day on his own Twitter account. He's spending more time than that on this sock puppet account. And by the way, are we supposed to pretend that this is the only one that he has? There is every reason to believe that he spends 24 hours a day just on meth tweeting from like eight different accounts. Yeah, and Mr. anyway, Free utterly pathetic. Immediately banned the account that uncovered that that was his uh, his alt account. So. That part I didn't even know. We might have to do a report on it tomorrow. But anyway, thankfully the account is back up. Hopefully the widow and the widow's family will be able to get Alexei Navalny's body so they can do some sort of analysis of it. Try to get some sort of information or closure about exactly what was done to take this man's life. Um, but anyway, for, for right now, uh, she is able to tweet. So I guess that's the good news. We are unfortunately way over on our first hour. Thank you everyone who's been listening slash watching. There's more to come in the aftermath, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.